Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, and today is Palm Sunday where we uh, join with Christians around the world in remembering Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And I would encourage you to uh, keep Christians who live uh, where this procession is extremely dangerous for them and these gatherings are extremely dangerous for them in your prayers this week. Um, This is also typically traditionally where you combine the Palm Sunday reading with the Passion reading. But this year we are just focusing on Palm Sunday and I want to encourage you to join us throughout the week and enter into Christ's Passion with us. But our Gospel reading today, John lets us know something very, very interesting. He lets us know that, one, we're a week out from the Passover. And because we're a week out from the Passover, we are also a week out from Jesus' crucifixion, where these cries of Hosanna are going to be transformed within a week into cries of crucify him, crucify him. And at the end of our Gospel reading today, John lets us know why that's going to happen. John writes, his disciples did not understand these things at first. They did not understand these things at first until Jesus was glorified. And quite frankly, in many ways, we're the exact same. Neither do we. We don't understand these things. A number of biblical historians have pointed out that Jesus' triumphal entry would not have been the only big entrance into Jerusalem that day. This would have also been the same day that Pontius Pilate would have entered the city of Jerusalem, coming from his capital, his residence, in the Roman capital of Palestine, a place called Caesarea Mauritania, down there on the sea. And Pilate would have arrived with the full might of the Roman Empire in Palestine, because it indeed was passed over. And that was the day when the Jews remembered God's deliverance from Egypt. And so to quote Andy Mineo and Lecrae, Pilate is going to roll into Jerusalem. He's going to come in hot. And um, there's like ten of us that know that song. It's great. But anyway, uh, he's coming in hot. And he's coming in hot because he wants to remind everyone. Pilate wants to remind everyone in Jerusalem, whatever your God did in the past... Rome is now in charge, and Caesar is now your Lord. Happy Passover. Enjoy your matzah. But if you get out of line, you will experience the full weight of Rome's wrath. That's what's going on here. Nevertheless, there's a lot of excitement There's a lot of expectation in Jerusalem and up from the town of Bethany and a lot of bumpkins just rolling right up, Jesus is arriving and they're excited because this is the rabbi from Nazareth who turned water into wine. This is the rabbi from Nazareth who fed 5,000 people with just a couple of loaves, some fish. This is the rabbi from Nazareth who is making the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear. And guess what? This is the rabbi from Nazareth who in the previous chapter just raised a man from the dead. 
you can almost hear the crowds waving their palms that Rome didn't know that our Messiah could raise the dead. And therefore, there's only one thing to say about this. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. This quote is from Psalm 118. And the direct translation essentially is, Our Messiah has arrived. Save us. This would have been inflammatory. And indeed it is inflammatory as we're about to see. Yet Jesus doesn't stop them. He doesn't stop them because it is true. He is their Messiah and he's come to save them. But the question is, from what? What's he come to save them from? There's a whole lot of expectation connected to those palm branches. There's a whole lot of expectation connected to those hosannas. Deliverance from the Roman Empire. The establishment, once again, of an earthly Davidic kingdom. And definitely, most definitely, the end of local government corruption. Those are the expectations floating in the air. And hence, John writes, his disciples did not understand these things at first. Good grief. What a pointed sentence. And it's pointed because it's directed at us as well. The same is true for us. We attach all sorts of expectations on Jesus. He should find me the perfect job. Jesus really wants me to believe in him. He should deliver me from this awful feeling of being alone. He should heal my parents. He should heal my child. Jesus, he should help me get my life together. We attach all sorts of expectations to Jesus. He becomes the means to our end. However, as my therapist likes to say to me, expectations, Jake, are just resentments waiting to be born. This is my first point. Like those first disciples, we oftentimes don't understand these things. We don't get the gospel and we turn Christianity into a list of expectations, a list of projections of what we think God should be and what we expect him to be up to. My dear brothers and sisters, his disciples didn't understand these things at first, and neither do we. Because when those expectations aren't met, what always happens is is that our cries go from Hosanna to immediately crucify him as well. Save us from what? Well, this is illustrated in the king that Jesus actually is. In this scene right here, and it's written in all four Gospels, Jesus is fulfilling some profound Old Testament imagery. Many key figures in the Old Testament rode donkeys, including David, the greatest king in Israel's history. He actually had his son Solomon ride a donkey off to his coronation, which meant the establishment of a new kingdom. 
Traditionally in the Near East, a ruler who rode a donkey may have been humble, but he was also confident. Because clearly he was not at war, nor was he intimidated by anything around him. The king who rode in on a donkey in the Near East was the embodiment and the symbol of peace. And as the embodiment, the symbol of peace, Jesus, David's greater son, is the king who fulfills Old Testament prophecy. This just isn't happening randomly. It's not like they didn't have a horse to find. Specifically in this moment, Jesus is fulfilling the prophet Zechariah. Chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious. He is humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. This particular section of the prophet Zechariah, it's really important. It goes from chapter 9 to 14, and it's all about how God will save his people through a humble Messiah. But here's the rub. He's not only going to establish peace with Judah and Israel, he's going to extend peace to her enemies. And the prophet Zechariah says this Messiah will do this in three ways. His reign's going to be defined by three things. One, his reign will declare peace not just to Israel, but to all the nations. Two, his peace is going to extend around the earth. And then three, prisoners will be released and given hope on the account of the shedding of blood. This is my second point. What are we saved from? We can't answer that question until we know who's doing the saving. And who's doing the saving is Jesus, the king who is the fulfillment of prophecy. And the significance of his triumphal entry, not just his triumphal entry, but his entire life, reminds us that Christ has come to do the will of the Father, not yours. And that's good news. Good grief, if it was up to me, he'd just be a giant like Sky Genie, you know, answering, making all my dreams come true. That's the God of Oprah, not the God of the Old and New Testament. This is good news because by accomplishing all of Israel's unmet expectations, what God does through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit is he extends his peace to all of us. And by faith accomplishes and realizes all of God's unmet expectations in our lives as well. This is the one who saves us. But from what? The other night, Mel and I watched this amazing documentary entitled Kid 90 about the famous uh, child stars of the 80s and the 90s. And it's all shot by this child star from the 80s and 90s named Salimun Fry, who played Punky Brewster. And when I was like 8, 9, and 10, I watched that show religiously. And so what she does is she carried a video camera with her, and, and she shows these videos. Um, and uh, the, the producers, actually, Leonardo DiCaprio, who was her friend and a child at that time, and were invited into all these child heartthrobs' lives through Fry's home videos. 
It was a real blast from the past for me. As a matter of fact, yesterday I just basically listened to Blind Melon and House of Pain all day long. And so, uh, and, uh, but these child stars who graced the cover of Teen Pop and Tiger Magazine, not that I ever read them, but anyway, maybe. But anyway, uh, from my teen perspective, they seemed to be the picture of health and happiness. They seemed to appear, appear to be expectations actualized. However, as this documentary unfolds, you see behind the veneer and you see lives that were out of control and a picture of anything but health and happiness. A picture of people who didn't know that they were loved. Nine of those kids eventually died of drug overdose or suicide. Talk about unmet expectations, but it appeared like the fulfillment of life. The appearance was not the reality. I think so often, especially in light of everything that's going on and continues to go on in this world, we oftentimes give this veneer of control. But the truth is, is that life is chaotic. The appearance is not the reality. We give the impression that things are great. You know, I'm fine, praise the Lord. But deep down, we're dealing with a low-grade depression because we've got a lot of empty expectations. What are you being saved from? The triumphal entry. Jesus, the King of Israel, does the exact opposite. The appearance is chaos. However, Jesus is not being carried away by the crowds or swept away in a moment. Jesus is the humble king of the universe who in our chaos is in complete and total control. And he's in complete and total control as we will see this week all the way to the cross, all the way to his death, and all the way to his glory where he is resurrected so that by the power of his Holy Spirit he might begin to break through your veneer of control and speak to your unmet expectations words of grace, words of mercy, words of forgiveness and declare unto you and your expectations when it comes to God, it is finished. So this is my third point. And let it set us right for Holy Week. What are you saved from? Well, we've been saved from ourselves. Jesus has been glorified by the Father. And this week, I want you to understand... This week, I want you to bundle up all your expectations and once again leave them where they belong, at the foot of the cross, and be reminded of the powerful truth that your expectations cannot save you, because Jesus already has. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. 
If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.